Good morning. Thank you, Debbie, for that very kind and gracious welcome. It's really good to be here today with you in the midst of a, a chaotic winter season. And um, my wife texted me just as I was leaving the city this morning. She said, you better call. I don't know if they're open. It sounds like Sussex got walloped yesterday and the schools are closed down there, but I figured, oh, they'll be open. So I'm glad that you were open when I pulled into the, uh, to the parking lot here this morning. Uh, Misty Dawn says to say hello to you all. Misty Dawn is an intern at Kingswood here. You may know her. Uh, it's great to have interns around for days like today to shovel out the parking lots and to, uh, no, just, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, I got her counsel about, I said, Misty Dawn, what are some things that I should not do or should do when I go to speak? And she gave me some great advice, so uh, I'm grateful for that. And it's great to see Wayne here, and Wayne should get extra points because Wayne has to listen to me at River Cross, and then he shows up here this morning as well. So I don't know who oversees his grades, but he should get extra points for uh, enduring me twice in, in a short period of time. Uh, you're in an interesting series uh, on kingdom realities and talking about power, and I want to talk about that this morning with you. Um, as Debbie said, I, I spent time here in Sussex, and um, when I came in today, I saw the Golden Arches, and I was reminded that I worked there when I turned 16. I couldn't wait to get my social insurance number and get a job, and I, that was my very, it was the only place that would hire me, um, but I worked there, and I will never forget when I turned 17, I became a crew chief at McDonald's, which meant I could get rid of the apron, leave the slave labor section of the grill, and move about five feet up away from the grill and be the guy that bossed the grill people around. That was an incredible experience. I could boss around my friends. I could tell them how many cheeseburgers, how many hamburgers, how many Big Macs to have in the bin. I could, you know, yell out things to the people working on the counter. I had power like I'd never had before. And someday you are going to have power almost that great um, when you get into ministry. Some of you are serving now in local church. And I guess I want to talk to you this morning a little bit around the kind of call that God puts on our lives, the, the influence and the opportunities that you will have in ministry settings, in life, to exercise the gifts and the abilities that God has given you, to exercise the power that God puts in your hands, the privilege that he gives to you to have influence in the lives of other people. And it's a powerful thing. It's an incredible thing. And um, it's so important that we wrestle with that now because I can guarantee you uh, from the moment you begin ministry to the moment you finish, you will struggle with how to use that in a Christ-like way in every setting that you're in, whether it's in your home, whether it's in your finances, whether it's in your ministry or in your relationships. Each of you now are already finding yourselves in ministry situations where you have influence or power. The worship team here this morning, and I heard it in their prayer just before we started. Corey had a beautiful prayer for us. And her, the heart was, Lord, help us to make sure that we are doing your work in this time. This is not about us. Because she recognizes that when you lead worship, you have influence over people. You create a mood. You create an environment. You create an opportunity. And you have power. For those of you that speak or lead Bible studies or have small groups, who have a small group of people who come to you and you kind of give direction to their life, you realize very quickly that you have influence on their lives. You have power. And God had given us these opportunities. Maybe you're choosing a team. You get to choose who gets in, and you get to choose who doesn't get in. Maybe you're overseeing summer students at your church. I don't know what it would be for you. But each of you will discover moments where you realize you have influence and you have power. And you are now starting to wrestle with a, just a leadership reality of how is it that I handle that in a Christ-like manner, in a Christ-like way. 
Uh, one of my favorite books and a book that had, has had great influence on me over the years is a book by Donald Craybill called The Upside Down Kingdom. And he talks about that in the kingdom reality, all the values from our culture seem to be turned upside down. That in our culture, power really meet, is often used to manipulate people to get what you want, to achieve things, and you can kind of expend people if you want in order to get what you want, and that kind of tends to be the way things work. But when we watch Christ in the way in which he exercised his influence and his power over people, we see that he served people. When Christ wanted to exercise his power, he took the posture of a servant. You never see Christ walking around with a clipboard kind of evaluating people. You see him with a towel over his arm engaging people at their moment of need with the gospel and serving them. Christ exercised his power through the means of service. And of leaders, one of the great challenges is for you and I to make sure that we never use our influence or the power that we have in situations to meet our own personal needs. That we don't use the influence that we have in a setting, in a situation, in school, in our church, in our homes or our families to make ourselves feel more valuable, to make ourselves feel more important, or at least to let everybody know that we're better than them. And the great challenge for all of you as you lead, for me as I lead, is that we would be self-aware enough to know when we get in situations where we have power, we have influence, that we say to ourselves, Lord, this is not my opportunity to increase my stock, to elevate my worth, or to create a name for myself. This is my opportunity to put a towel over my arm and exercise the influence that I have for your kingdom purposes. Friends, this is one of the great, great challenges of ministry is to learn this skill, to have that heart conversation with yourself again and again and again, to make sure that we are not using the influence and the power that we have been given as a gift of God, as an opportunity for a season, to get what we want out of situations, to meet a need deep within ourselves. It can be so dangerous to do. I want us to turn this morning, if you have your Bibles, to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And we'll uh, read through the first 11 verses. Uh, remember, the, uh, a book like Philippians is written to people like you and I. We kind of think that Paul was off kind of in an ivory tower somewhere, thinking of kind of like really great, powerful, motivational things to write down, things that would be captured forever and ever and put in big leather-bound books for people to be read in religious occasions. Paul was solving problems and battling wars and putting out fires and trying to herd cats when he was writing the scriptures. And uh, Philippians chapter 2 is Paul trying to help a community of believers wrestle with what it meant to be servants to each other, to stop exercising power over each other as if we're there to manipulate each other. And if you remember and go back to Acts chapter 16, you'll see, remember, when Paul arrived at Philippi, he met a real what we would refer to at River Cross is a beautiful community, a diverse group of people. There was Lydia, the dealer in purple cloth, kind of a wealthy businesswoman. You remember there was the Philippian jailer who uh, Paul escaped, and he was, his life was threatened, and Paul, or he was going to take his own life, and Paul said, don't. He goes over to his house for supper, and he gets baptized with his family in the middle of the night. And then you remember there was the slave girl who was being used to kind of prophesy for people, and they cast the demons out of her. So you've got all these people that now have created a local church, a real hodgepodge, eclectic group. And in the midst of that, Paul is trying to help them figure out what does the gospel look like? 
How do we live this out? And one of the things that they had to wrestle with is taking the nature of a servant towards one another. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. Which is Paul's way of saying, help me out here. <laughs> then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each other to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then Paul gives us this gift of a, it's a poem or an ancient hymn, and it says this, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearances as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Paul is trying to help these believers wrestle with what it means to have influence and power in community. And he says to them, if, you were, if this is going to work, we have to be like Christ who humbled himself and took the posture of a servant when exercising influence and power with folks. In the ministry settings that you are going to find yourself in, in the ministry settings that you would find yourself in now, the challenge will be to have that same attitude and posture in our own hearts. And so the question that I wrote down in my notes is this. How do we keep from getting to the place where we use our power or our influence to meet a personal need? How do we, get to, how do we keep from getting to the place where we use our power and our influence to meet a personal need? instead of genuinely serving people for Christ's kingdom. When we're tempted to make ourselves look good in our position or in our influence, when we're tempted to make sure that we get what we want, when we're tempted to make sure that everybody is happy, because if you're a people pleaser, and lots of people in ministry default to people pleasing, that will be a, a thing that you will battle against. I want to make all these people happy. And when they're happy, then I'll feel happy. And somehow my service now becomes more about making me happy and making me content and meeting a need in my own life than really laying down our lives and say, Christ, I'm here to do your work and to serve on your behalf. Now, I don't know, did you catch in verse 1? There's a two-little word there that Paul uses multiple, multiple times. Did you catch what it was? It makes chapter 2, verse 1 a question. It's if. Paul, in his address to these believers, as he's challenging them to think about kind of the nature of their relationship to one another and the, how it is the posture of their hearts, he asks them this question. If you're going to get to this space, if you're going to get to the place where we make sure that we are serving people out of a desire to see Christ's kingdom come, not out of a desire to make ourselves look good or to meet a personal need in our life, he says to them, first and foremost, you have to start with the most basic question. Are you content with being united with Christ? 
First and foremost, are you content with being united with Christ? Paul is somehow suggesting to us that we can find our ultimate true contentment first and foremost in being united with Christ. And when that piece of the puzzle is in place, when that in is met, then we are free then to serve other people. And serving other people does not need to be exercised and we don't need to use our power and our influence in some way to then meet a need in our own heart because it's already been met in Christ. When I think about my own situation and I think about times that I've been in leadership, whether it's been in local church, whether it's been in community groups, uh, my son's hockey stuff, um, or other times, there have been moments where I have caught myself thinking, the reason I want to stand up and speak here is so that people will know that I'm smart. The reason I want to do that is so that I will look good and that people will like me. They will value me or they will appreciate. The reason I talked about how many hours I worked last week or I made some to-do about how difficult that was was so that people would appreciate me. You see how easy that happens in our own life? We get in situations where our service, our influence, starts getting used to meet a personal need in our own hearts. And Paul starts them off by saying to this, when you get in that space, I want you to remember something first and foremost. You have been connected with or united with Christ. That's where this begins. When you get in that space, when you're feeling your heart pulling you in that direction, the thing you ought to stop and reflect on, and this is what discipleship is all about, the working out your salvation with fear and trembling, is to do the heavy lifting to say, Lord, in this moment, I'm just going to stop. I'm going to ask myself a very important question, and this is what I wrote because this is something I had to for a journal. Rob, do you think getting your own way in that meeting... Um, just so that everybody knows you're in charge, will provide you more peace and joy than the Holy Spirit can provide? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I don't like that question. I don't even like reading it publicly to you. I really didn't like writing it down, but it's true. And I think as you and I seek to become kingdom ambassadors, servants, people who really genuinely at the core of who we are want to see Christ's kingdom advance, we need to take the posture of a servant. And in order to truly be free to be a servant, we must first and force wrestle with and continue to unpack what it means to be connected and rooted in Christ. Paul gives three fruits from this. Comforted by his love. Comforted by his love. If you're connected with Christ, you have the opportunity to be comforted by his love. When I'm in a situation where I'm going to use my influence and use my authority or use my power, whatever little bit it might be in a situation, it's usually because something is unsettled inside of me. Something isn't working right. Something's not clicking. Something's not lined up. And God's gift to me in that moment is the offer of his comfort of his love to attend to me in a way that will calm my uncertain spirit, the heaviness in my heart, the panic, the desperation to be appreciated, or whatever it is that's going on inside of me. That's the first fruit of being united with Christ. The second one that he points out here is the opportunity to walk with the Spirit, or to have fellowship with the Spirit, as some translations would have. To be aware of the fact that in those moments when I am tempted to use whatever influence or opportunities that I have, 
to meet a personal need, I remember that the Holy Spirit, who hovered over creation, who empowered Christ in the wilderness during his temptation, is also walking alongside me in that moment. And I suspect he may have something to help me in that moment, whether it's gifts, whether it's the fruits of the Spirit, that he is there to attend to me in those moments. The third one is tenderness and compassion. Most people who use their influence to serve themselves don't usually have a reputation of being tender or compassionate. The capacity to be tender and compassionate as we lead and as we exercise influence and power with folks is one of the gifts that God does in us and creates for the people that get to serve and walk alongside of us. That they feel cared for, tender, that they feel like we have their backs and that we will support them and that this is a a blessing for them to be involved in, compassion. Now, when I think of these three offers, comfort of his love, fellowship of the spirit, and tenderness and compassion, the image that came to my mind was that of Jesus in the upper room the night before he was crucified. Passover, sitting with the disciples, having a feast, the cup, and the bread, Jesus trying to institute a new commandment with his disciples, trying to pass on to them some last words of advice. Do you remember what the disciples were doing? It's okay, you can talk in church. Do you remember what they were doing? They were arguing about who was going to be better. Remember that? They're having a power grab. They were starting to think about, how is it that I can leverage my influence and my power over people? Who, am I going to be more important than you? Or are you going to be less important than me? Because that would be really great. They were having this stuff going on in their hearts. And I got thinking about that moment. I tried to put myself in Jesus' shoes just for a second. And I thought about these three fruits of being united with his heavenly father. And I pictured Jesus in that moment, the disciples bickering. He's got tomorrow all figured out and what's going to happen and all the emotions that he would be feeling that moment. And the gift of the comfort of the father to him in that moment. I got thinking about the Holy Spirit giving Jesus self-control and peace and patience in that moment. And I got thinking about the disciples who experienced both tenderness and compassion at the hands of Christ the night before he was crucified as he served them, as he exercised his influence and his power in their lives through the simple act of washing their feet. As I think about my future in ministry, as I think about the people that I serve with, I think one of the things that will allow me to finish with some measure of sense that I have served the Lord well, it will be having wrestled with this and wrestled with it well. In those moments when I realize that my opportunity in serving people is first and foremost to make Christ known and to accomplish his kingdom objectives, not to make a name for myself or to meet a need in my own heart. If I can get to the end of my ministry career and have wrestled with that and more times than not been successful as the Lord enabled me, it would be a great moment of joy for me. As you start out, as you think about the years in front of you, as you think about the opportunities that God is going to give you, my prayer is that you would do the important soul-searching work of wrestling with this in your own heart and recognizing all that Christ has made available to you already.
in the gospel. Let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you today for the opportunities that you have already given to us to have influence, to have some measure of power. It might seem small to us now, and yet it's important. It's a training ground for us. Lord, maybe it's just in a small group. Maybe it's just in our dorm. Maybe it's in a circle of friends. Maybe it's in a ministry that we're a part of. But Lord, you have given us an opportunity Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and help us to see maybe some of the ways in which we might already be thinking of using that influence to meet a deeper need in our own heart. And God, I pray in the midst of that, the floodgates would break open and we would become powerfully aware of what is already ours in Christ. And Lord, that suddenly we would recognize that we are now free to serve anybody in any situation because of what we have already received in Christ. Lord, I just pray for each person here. I thank you for them. I thank you for their commitment to study, to learn, to grow, to follow you, to open their hearts up and allow your Holy Spirit to examine them. God, we pray together that this would be a fruitful season for each person, and we ask this in Christ's name.